0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the One Last Sketch Podcast, a show dedicated to science fiction, fantasy, and history. Our headliners, the fabulous, unparalleled Marie, Corey, and Michael, have returned (laughs) for this 24th episode, the final Dungeoneering Edition. This is why we're excited. Will they survive the Circus of Fear? Dunno. Maybe. I <laughs> it's another Dungeoneering edition, folks. The yeah. last one.
1: Thank Yay! <laughs> and the choir of angels descended to sing praise of this being over. Yay.
0: So, for those of you just joining us and wondering what the hell that introduction was all about... <laughs> We are going through a bunch of TSR, Endless Quest, Dungeons & Dragons adventure books that I found at the dump. We're on to our last one, and after that, these books are going straight back to the dump. (laughs) Because they've mostly been awful. Well, not mostly. They've all been awful.
2: Yeah, just various levels of awful.
0: Before we dive into that, though... I put up a blog post not too long ago about games I made between the ages of 10 and 14. Yeah. And while I was searching for stuff to include in that blog post, I found a game book that I had started to create back when I think I must have been 10 or 11, judging by the the letter forms here. (laughs) Why is this important? Well, again, if you're just joining us, then you don't know that the game books we're going through are basically just choose your own adventures there's no die rolling or anything despite it being put out by TSR or
2: even really choice half the time <laughs>
0: <laughs> but the game that I was making back then did have rules to it you needed one die to play mm-hmm. and they're kind of incoherent even being so simple and I don't think they actually work <laughs> I did look up the first Tunnels and Trolls game book, which you can play online, and it's basically like this game I made when I was 10. Mm -hmm. There's no choices, per se. You just... The choices are which directions you go in the dungeon Mm
2: -hmm.
0: or the castle, and then you fight monsters. Mm -hmm. And that's basically what this game was. Even though I, I came up with it
2: independently,
0: strangely enough.
2: Well... It's really just the whole the, all these things are really just sort of a codified way of playing a game that kids already play, so true. <laughs> although there's lots of uh, sort of opinion well, maybe not lots, but there are opinions in psychiatry that suggest that uh, continuing to play into your adulthood, indeed even into seniority is probably good for you. So there you go.
0: This is the caverns of Mount Montora adventure. And the introduction is the armies of Lacturn (laughs) (laughs) have invaded your land and slaughtered your countrymen. The only way out is through the dreaded caverns of Mount Montora. The outlet is said to go to the country of Bazarland where you need 500 points of treasure to get in. That's your adventure. (laughs) You're
2: a refugee!
0: And you need to pay the... Border security guards, a bribe before you're allowed in.
2: <laughs> that's hilarious. Fortunately, that was never finished, so you don't have to play it. <laughs> oh, no good. I was fearing that's where we were attending. And, you know, as, as kind of incompetent as these game books have been, they've at least gone through some sort of editorial process. Whereas 10-year-old you, not so much.
0: <laughs> nope. So we're going to move on to a game book written by an adult... Which is a slight improvement.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Based off the current track record, only a slight improvement. Yeah,
0: Yeah. this one has the best cover out of all the ones we've read, so maybe that's an auspicious start. Let's see. Let's see, yeah. This makes for great podcasting, folks, when I show the cover on the camera. Oh, it's
2: like a blonde chick in a dress riding a really surprised-looking griffin. Or hypocrite. It kind of
0: evokes Art Nouveau, and it's definitely in terms of art style the best Mm -hmm. of the paintings. Of course, I'm flipping through Mm -hmm. to see if the cover artist is credited at all. Mm -hmm. And whoever it was is not.
2: Hmm.
0: Wait, cover art by Keith Parkinson. Hmm. So not Larry Elmore. That's probably why (laughs) (laughs) it's another it's another book by Rose Estes. Who has mm-hmm. written the vast majority of these? Mm-hmm. It is the only endless quest book that has a female heroine. Yay! <laughs> Despite the fact that all of the books we've read so far have been written either entirely or in part by women, mm-hmm. this is the only one. No, if you wanted female heroines, you needed to get the Heart Quest line. Oh no! <laughs> really? The advertisement isn't in the back of this one, it's in one of the other ones. For (laughs) HeartQuest, Romance and Adventure.
2: Why does there have to be romance? (laughs) Uh.
0: And Margaret Weiss was the editor on those. Oh, screw that. They were basically a failure, because obviously the way to bring in a female audience to Dungeons & Dragons is to make game books that aren't anything like Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah. Brilliant marketing, folks.
2: Yeah.
1: Here's a crazy thought if you want to bring female gamers into Dungeons & Dragons. Don't make the artwork so damn sexist. Yeah. Seriously, anyone who has ever flipped through a D&D sourcebook and not been shocked by the blatant sexism of the artwork is either completely ignoring it or that very narrow demographic that they seem to think buys them for the artwork. So
0: there's a the
1: usual preamble here about choosing wisely, and
0: in this story, you are playing Layla. Your Layla.
1: <speaksberries>
2: That's my vocal rendition of the famous Eric Clapton song.
0: <laughs> yes, and we thank you for it. I forgot the copyright date is 1983. This book is for Tammy Hess and every other girl who would dare to be a heroine, and for D. R. Miller and the Carson and Barnes Circus. That is the most interesting dedication we've had so far. Yeah, it's, it's a, better it's
1: than dedicating the book to England,
0: or to and the better grand than ooh. dedicating a book to a character in your book. Yeah, to the Grand ooh. Oh
1: crap! I forgot about that. That's right. Yeah.
0: Yes, and well, you should, Corey. <laughs> and well, you should. <laughs> Yeah, so you, you are playing Layla, and you're visiting the circus with your friend Petra. I assume Petra is a dude. And the ringmaster is about to start the show.
2: Well, at least it's like actually behaving like a circus so far.
0: Yeah. Uh, of course we begin... Ladies and gentlemen... Je- oh, we already did that. Yeah.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: It is the Bong- Bombax Brothers Circus of Fantasy... Proud to present the largest collection of extraordinary performing monsters and mortals in the world of Greyhawk. Yay. This is what you say in your circus introduction. We are living in the world of
2: Greyhawk.
1: Who who names their world Greyhawk? I mean, we named ours Earth. But could you imagine if somebody back in the day had actually had the, like, had actually decided, you know what, let's come up with a really cool name. We don't live on Earth. We live on Crimson Dragon Shadow Punch.
0: Well, that's true of a lot of fantasy worlds, though, especially the ones published by TSR.
2: I particularly like how um, they're like we're, we have a fantasy exposition here. It's like you live in a fantasy realm. Isn't this like in horror movies where the horror movies apparently don't exist in horror movies kind of thing? Like, <laughs> yeah. Does the concept of fantasy actually exist in a fantasy realm? So. <laughs> Well, there is that Neil Gaiman story where
0: they're living in the gothic fantasy world and okay. he wants to be a writer and he keeps on trying to write realism. Yes. And then at the end he writes like a story about a woman crying over her toaster. Yeah. <laughs>
2: this
0: isn't that. that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've read that
2: one. <laughs> oh, I think it's in Fragile Things. Okay.
0: <laughs> so you are outside the circus. Your friend Petra says angrily that the circus is starting and you're going to be late. Oh, God. There will be any animals left. You don't want to leave because you see that there is a pegasus chained outside of the circus. That's cool. And you, you want to pet the pegasus a little while longer. Oh, and my God. This, giant, this enormous man strides out into the clearing and tells you, Children, what are you doing? I'm Bombax, the owner of this circus and that pegasus just in case you didn't realize that yet, because this is how people announce themselves
2: all the time. Okay. I just
1: have to say, does anyone else think that Pet the Pegasus sounds like a euphemism?
2: No, just not dirty.
1: <laughs> I wasn't being dirty, it just sounds like a euphemism. It could be for shooting up heroin for all I know.
2: Uh, yeah, a bit. <laughs> Yeah, no, you it's entirely that. possible. There's also yeah, an Almond anyway. Brothers song called Pegasus, fun fact. But anyway.
0: <laughs> Spread your wings, neon <gasps> Pegasus. Pegasus.
2: <laughs> <laughs> wow, we really don't want to play this, uh. do we? <laughs>
0: you tell him that you're just petting her, and then Petra asks if they ever feed her, because he, the Pegasus looks pretty emaciated. Gosh. And Baumbach says, of course we feed her, but she won't eat. And that she's basically a waste of 5,000 gold pieces, and he expects she's just going to die. So, you know, veterinarians don't exist in the world of Greyhawk. No.
1: No, that's what clerics are for.
0: So, you ask why he doesn't just let her go, and he's like, no, I bought her.
2: (laughs) This is starting to feel like an episode of Animal (laughs) Cops.
0: So, you tell Petra that you have to do something, and he does, because he stole a key from Bombax. He's a pickpocket, and I guess he's also an orphan. Because he yep. talks
2: about an orphanage. He
0: oh, does you need to do him
2: in a hackney accent then? Oh dear god, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: yeah, We're yeah, not gonna So you haven't actually let him free. He just shows you that he has the key and that he can. Mm. So I'm clearly paying attention in my Dungeon Master role. Mm. And I clearly am doing this properly because I didn't even explain the rules yet. Nope. Now that we've already begun, people should know that, number one, these two-fight adventurers have to agree on the choices that they make. Yep. And number two, no-take-backsies. That's a very important rule. It's very important. Ways, you'll know if
2: you listen that. to our last episode. We violated that rule once and that was a bad idea.
0: Yeah, so Petra says there's too many people around and it's better if you watch the show and then free her later.
2: Yeah, here's the thing. So is that, is that our choice yet? Are we have the choice? Nope.
0: Oh, sorry. <laughs> you guys go off to the circus. Oh,
2: okay. And you keep
0: on bugging Petra about whether you should if it's time to let the Pegasus go yet.
2: Petra, I'm such a girl. Hurry up and free this pretty horse. (laughs) Then a thick fog
0: covers everything. This is only Macedon's approaching. And you think that's kinda cool. There's giant woolly mammoths wandering around. And you're pretty sure that there's going to be a storm next. Hmm. And Petra's like, actually, this is a good thing because now that there's fog and stormy weather, we can just hide beneath a wagon and wait for everyone else to leave. No one mm. will see us, and then we can free the Pegasus. And this is what you do. And as you're hiding under the wagon, you hear footsteps approaching and voices start up, one saying, It all went smoothly today. Now only four men stand between us and total control of Greyhawk.
1: Cool. And That escalated quickly. Yeah. It's like, let's free the Pegasus. World is at stake. Okay, then.
2: Well, at least I care. The
0: second person asks, can we do it? And the first voice is, "Clujia, nothing can go wrong. Clearly. Clujia, No one knows except you, me, and the doppelgangers. All you have to do is get the next doppelgangers ready for tomorrow. And then when the officials go into the fortune teller's tent, Zippo, changeo." The doppelgangers will replace them and do whatever we want.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to lie. When you said Zippo, the, the first thing that came to mind was a cigarette lighter.
2: Yeah. Lighter. <laughs> Did he actually say Zippo, or is that you paraphrasing? Yes,
0: it's Zippo change That's exactly what it is. Oh my god, up. I thought
2: that was you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so bad. Anyway, you hear them
0: discussing their dastardly deeds for a while. blah. blah. And Petra whispers that you should probably get out of there. So you dash out from under the wagon and go to the Pegasus. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: You hug her wet, trembling body.
1: (laughs) Wow. (laughs) This is a children's book.
0: Yeah. Well, the trembling body is the Pegasus, so it would become a really weird book if there were more connotations to that.
2: It's cold. It makes sense that she's trembling. (laughs) So Petra pushes
0: the key into the lock, and he says it's stuck, and you're telling him to quickly hurry up because the Macedons are bugling an alarm. I
2: don't know. <laughs> I love how
1: that wasn't planned. We just both did that at the same time. <laughs>
0: As he struggles with the boat, a sing the bolt the boat there's no boat a single tear flows down the muzzle of the Pegasus this and when the tear really
2: like the last unicorn now
0: when the tear touches your finger it turns into a crystal and drops into your hand cool and then the Pegasus tells you that she won't forget that you freed her and if you ever need you are now part of her and when you need her protection mm. you just have to touch the tear or make a wish. Okay, I'm confused.
1: When did we free her? Because I thought he was struggling with the lock.
2: Also, um, isn't Pegasus Tears a card in magic?
1: Probably. I don't know.
0: Everything is a card in magic.
2: It's true, actually.
0: <laughs> Another bolt of lightning explodes, and you see a, that the door of the red wagon nearby is burst open.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: out comes Bombax and Cluja the Ringmaster, but they're doing a comedy routine, so they're <laughs> both trying to get out of the doors at the same
1: <laughs> time. <laughs> Insert yakity sacks. <laughs> yeah. And bombback screams,
0: No! Stop! <gasps> but it's too late because the lock flies open, and you tell the Pegasus, Fly! Fly, you fool! Oh, and off yeah. she goes. <laughs>
2: I'm not a fool. <laughs> she, <laughs> she takes her <laughs> So Petra
0: tells you to run because he stumbles and slips on the ground. Oh, for God's sake! But you're <laughs> you're making starry eyes at the Pegasus flying prettily off into the night. She's so pretty. Nice. So you don't run. <laughs> and you, a heavy anything. hand falls on your shoulder as spins you around and you're face to face with Bombax.
2: <gasps>
0: and he tells you that you cost him a fortune. Yep. And you're like, I don't care. No matter what you do to me, it was worth it. I'm glad this is a kid's book. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So Petra tells him to leave. He comes out of, because they didn't see him yet, and he's like, leave her alone! And Bombax grabs him as well. So you're both held by
1: Bombax. I, I just have to interrupt for a sec. You notice how, despite the fact that almost all of these stories have involved us looking for treasure in some capacity, the villains almost always seem to be capitalists?
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah, that's the uh, dragon wasn't really a villain in the last one we did. No, I could tell he was the good guy.
2: Yeah, seemed to be the most sensible person in that world. (laughs) Do we get a choice at some point?
0: You will. This is again a Rose Estes book, so there's a lot of preamble. Oh, right. Do anything.
2: (laughs) Carry on. Carry on.
0: He tells Clujo to get the constable. I keep
2: thinking you're going to say Clujo. <laughs> like, I really do. <laughs> well, let's
0: call him Clujo. I don't okay. know. is kind of a weird name,
2: mm-hmm. like
0: most of the names in this book. Mm-hmm. You, you're able to struggle free. They'll let you go, but they're going to get Petra hanged because he's just an orphan. No one will care.
2: Okay.
0: <laughs> well, and you him. say, let Petra go or I'll tell. And Bombeck's like,
2: what?!
0: What are you going to tell people about? And like an idiot, you tell them what you heard about when you were under the wagon. Wow. Wow. But this seemingly works because Bombax is like, suddenly gets all amiable. It's like, Clujo, tell someone to... Get someplace safe for our guests to spend the night. Get this
2: young lady a drink and spike it. <laughs>
0: and Clujo's like, no, Bombax, kill them or they'll ruin us. And Bombas are like, no, do as I tell you. And off Clujo goes and oh. drags the two of you towards the wagon. And now you're both in there.
2: Great. Yeah. Why do we let the rogue um, not just free himself? Isn't he like a level one rogue? Yeah. He can cope with this. But anyway. You're both locked in a wagon, okay?
0: Okay. <laughs> you're traumatized. Yeah. Okay. It's all dark. You don't know what to do. And you're about. Petra's like, well, mm-hmm, let's get some sleep, I guess.
2: Should we cry because we're female? I mean, apparently that's the kind of world we're in, so. <laughs> yeah.
0: You, fa- you fasten the. T- you tie the crystal tear on a cord around your neck. I don't know where the cord came from. Yeah. I don't
1: know why they didn't take it away. Yeah.
0: And in the morning. You are woken by the sound of animals, and the door comes open and Bombax glowers at you and says, You cost me 5,000 gold pieces, but I'm not angry at you because I'm a fine fellow who loves everyone. Here's your bargain. Join the circus. We're all a big old happy family. Nothing creepy about this circus whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everything's great. We'll feed you. We'll take care of you. We'll teach you a trade. Uh, you, while you're doing that, you can work your debt off to me. So you have just been made slaves.
2: No, 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 indentured servants.
0: <laughs> indentured servants. You have one of those uh, bond bags that goes <whistles> around your neck. <laughs> I
2: wish. It's like how. So, what are you going to
0: do at the circus, guys? You have three choices. If you like animals, you can learn how to train them, you
1: can become trapeze
2: artists, or you can work at the sideshow. Oh, let's go to the animals. That's where the action is going to be. Come on. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say
1: acrobats, but animals sounds
2: fun. Yeah, animals, come on. This is just basically Mm -hmm. the monster manual. You are now being escorted by a
0: guy named Rebus Romney. Not Mitt. We'll call him Mitt. (laughs) He's like, you want to be animal trainers? but you're likely to end up as animal dinners.
2: Oh, he's funny.
0: Yeah, but he is impressed by your whole Pegasus dealio, which everyone in the circus knows about now. Except I didn't think anyone except Balmbax and Clujo saw it. Whatever. Yeah, cool. <laughs> he's totally not mad at you for letting the Pegasus go, since it was grieving itself to death. And Petra asked very sensibly, so why didn't you let it go? Yeah. And he tells you very helpfully, I can't explain.
2: Yep. Oh, no and here's where you
0: learn that nobody in the circus is there by choice.
2: Ah. Uh,
0: they all they are all indentured servants. Animals <laughs> and humans. Only
1: death will free them. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And I thought the circus was supposed to be a happy place. It's the Carney Code sweet Mitt tells you that he loves
0: his animals, but not all of them love him. <clears throat> And you ask if they're killers, and he shrugs and goes, most of them are. <laughs> <Come> <laughs> <with you. laughs> yeah, he gives you some advice.
2: Don't... Jump in the mouth. <laughs> it's a bad idea. Yeah. Don't, just don't give
0: them... Don't let them have a chance at you. Don't trust them. And you have to keep in control of them at all times, or they will try to kill you. All right. So, you pass by one large cage. This is filled with caterwauls. Don't what? turn your back on them. Wait. You say, but they look so nice, even though he warns you about them. They have such beautiful blue fur. So descriptor number one. And Mitt tells you they have hooked ivory claws that can rip you to pieces.
2: Oh, those things. Aren't they like big blue
1: monkeys?
0: Uh, I would assume from the name that they're like cats.
1: Maybe. Okay. Let's just say they're blue panthers. Sure.
0: Next, you see the blink dogs... Oh, yeah. Which are tamer. Mm -hmm. And you're allowed to to cradle one of the puppies. Wow. Which goes on for a while. (laughs) (sighs) And you can see that they kind of appear and disappear.
2: Yep, because they're blink dogs.
0: One moment they're in front of you, the next they're six feet behind you. So be careful, people. Then there are some panther-like creatures that hiss at you displacer beasts.
2: Oh,
1: how do you keep a displacer beast in a cage? I don't
0: get that. And don't they have tentacles coming out of their back? Yeah. Yes, a sharp-edged tentacle whips out from the creature's back and it almost hits Mitt Romney in the face.
2: Yep.
0: He tells you it's never stopped trying to kill me.
2: I wouldn't either.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hasn't succeeded yet. And finally you ask how the hell do you keep them inside their cages? If these things always appear three feet from where they actually are? Mm -hmm. And the answer, as you might expect, is magic. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. So at least you've learned now that Bombax is an illusionist. Hmm. Next Mm cage, owl bears. (laughs) (laughs) They're bears with owl spaces.
2: They're they're just. Yeah, we know what they are. They're owl bears. Michael, you just can't do it any other way. This is what they are.
0: (laughs) What else are they going to be, right? Yeah. Unless it's an owl with a bear face. No, no, no. They're just,
2: they're honestly not just that. It's a mix of both. They're an owl, bear.
0: And next you pass the cages with Mercedes Lackey's second favorite creature the griffins.
2: Yay.
0: Everyone knows what a griffin look like, looks like. I don't need to go through that.
1: No.
2: <laughs> According to the front cover of this book, we could ride one.
0: You touch the fingers of what, or the feathers of one of the animals and it studies you and then it calls out and instantly all the other griffins surround you. So this is very much like a Mercedes Lacking novel. Yep. Because you've totally been accepted into the griffin clan.
1: Ooh, we're an honorary griffin. Yay.
0: Squat! <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> So off you go, muzzling giant lion bird things, and there's lots of you fawning over them and telling Mitt Romney. Ah, do we have to be more
2: female? (laughs) Oh my god. Yeah, okay.
0: While you're doing this, you suddenly hear animal screams of rage, and a person in pain. Yep, somebody's getting eaten. You're like, what's going on, Petra? And he's like, I don't know,
1: but let's find out. So off you go. Typical fantasy thing. Let's run towards the danger.
2: I feel like we're sort of like Dora the Explorer, and he's like Diego. That's what I feel like we are.
1: <laughs> I don't know.
2: What would you do? Can you see the griffin? That's right. That's where it is. <laughs> so you go behind a
0: large green wagon, and you see that a leopard-like camadan, one of the most feared animals in the Forest of Greyhawk, is there. The camadan. It's eight feet from nose to tail... Mm. And there's snakes sprouting out of its shoulders. Mm. Kind of a from the illustration, it looks like a really lame creature. Mm. It sounds and like it. And clutched between its jaws is the struggling form of a crab man, but he drops him. then it, it snarls at you. Is it a crab so. man or a
2: man with crabs?
0: <laughs> from the illustration, it look just looks like a guy who has. He's like that guy mm. from Three Hundred who has the claw hands. Haven't seen it okay (laughs) good don't okay your three choices are you can run or you go i'm not afraid Mitt romney says i have the gift and you'll when when did he say
2: (laughs) it? yeah maybe it happened during the paraphrasing and the third the third
0: choice is cats love to chase things that run so we'll have to stand
1: still okay so reiterate what are our choices
0: Run. You can run away, you can confront the uh, Camadan, or you can stay still and watch it eviscerate this guy. He has spotted you.
1: Hmm.
2: It is true about the running thing.
1: Yeah. It's kind I of the, the, t- the Tyrannosaurus effect. We're going to confront think, it?
2: Stay of the tiger. Alright,
1: apparently we're confronting you. it.
2: The fight. You Jerry. agree? Yeah, right. we're going to confront it. Maybe it'll eviscerate us and put us out of our misery. <laughs>
1: I don't know, given what we've seen in this book so far and given kind of what uh, D&D was like at the time, I almost get the impression that we can't actually die in this one.
0: Mm. Well, you're wrong. Yeah!
2: Oh. Yay! Do we die?
0: So you're you're yelling at the Kamadan to get back into the cage and instead he springs on you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: and And eats you. That oh. ends. <laughs> well, oh, So yeah. that was short.
2: Yay.
0: No take vaccines. No
2: take vaccines. <laughs> Animals, and then we got eaten.
0: That's good. <laughs> so this was the highest rated of the TSR books on Goodreads.
2: Also, I just realized that Petra's totally gonna get hanged now. <laughs> so.
0: <laughs> so you both died. So yeah. for those uh-huh. of you keeping score, our brave adventurers completed exactly one adventure to
1: a yep. good
2: ending. <laughs>
1: yep. Yep. So, in retrospect on this whole process, that seems like the next logical step.
2: (laughs) Oh, man. That was so tedious.
1: It, you know, yeah, the first one was a lot of fun, because there's the whole kind of ironic corrupting this in ways that it was Well, it
2: was just a dungeon crawl, and so then it was kind of funny.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, the further we went on, it's just, they became very formulaic and repetitive, and... No matter what we did, we were screwed. I
2: honestly thought I'm like, well, surely the monster, something fascinating will happen, but nope. We get like the lamest monster ever. And I was like, yeah, let's just go die.
1: See, I legitimately thought that was gonna work. I didn't think that was a kamikaze move. You
2: always think it's legitimately going to work. You're naive that way.
1: (laughs) Given the nature of the books, I I suppose I am a little naive. Like I should expect that we're gonna get screwed over no matter what, because that's the nature of how these things work.
2: Yep. Probably should, we, we should have just stand, stood still. Um, That's what I think. I actually
0: look through the endings on this one, and yeah. you you basically hit one of two death endings. Oh, really? <laughs> There's only two. Most of the time, you can just summon the Pegasus when you get in trouble. Mm. Which
2: you didn't have the chance to do now, because mm-hmm. you got mauled by a snake cat. <laughs> I was just assuming that that would have been like the next choice. Because it seemed like a sort of a you can get out like get out of death free card.
0: But you know what? It's <laughs> good that that ended early because you could tell from my super enthusiastic DMing that I was the writing in this one was worse than yeah. before.
2: <laughs> yeah, the, this really became a chore. Yeah, I, I regret the way that these. the
0: main character is treated is awful. Yes, it's like she's a girl. She's such a girl. (laughs) Such a girl all the
2: time, you over the monsters. Like every gender
0: stereotype you you can possibly imagine, throw them in there. We'll well again. Let's
1: get the show on the road. I can't say I'm really surprised though, because again, we're talking early '80s D and D. Yeah. Like, and considering how little D and D has evolved in terms of sexism, like today, I, I can't really expect it to have been any better back then.
0: The thing is, so many women were working in TSR Mm -hmm. at the time.
1: I think part of the. (laughs) Yeah, you would think, but I think part of the problem, too, is there's kind of always been this unsaid assumption, for whatever stupid reason, that this was something little kids. Or, not, sorry, this was something for guys. Like I know many women who like to role play and who love D anD D, but for whatever reason, there's you always know? been yeah, there's always <laughs> been this notion that it was marketed to guys and they were the only ones who would care about it.
2: Never would have guessed that in in the muscly muscleness of the last couple books. <laughs> yeah.
0: As for the endless quest books, those are going back to the dump, and we really
2: don't recommend any of them.
0: They're all terrible. Nope. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you want further episodes you can go to my website one last You can also find us on iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. And I know a few episodes ago I said that I was never going to be on Twitter, but yes, you can follow this podcast and blog on Twitter at one last sketch.
2: Where can we find you, Marie? Oh, yeah, you can find me over at thevexi.wordpress.com. All about medicine and art and in a doctor and stuff. And that brings us to the end of this unfortunate experiment.
0: <laughs> Yay! At least, at least we got some fun cool so We're
1: back to talking about books next time?
0: Yes, we are back Yay. to
2: talking about books. Mm-hmm.
1: We'll do something stimulating. <laughs> okay. All right. Bye-bye! Bye! Bye.